I had a decision. The day we found out, the next morning I got up and I knew I had a decision. I was at a crossroad in my life. I could either go down the road with the route of being bitter, angry, upset, and what, you know, or I could pick up my cross and follow Jesus. And I knew at that point uh, that was the decision I was making. Hello and welcome. I'm Tanya Reason, and this is The Gospel According to Mum, the show where we discuss the transformational work done in us by Jesus Christ as we live out motherhood and discipleship with Him. My guest today is Jessica Pieway. Jessica is a mother of two, a business owner, and training to be a religious instruction teacher. After growing up in a strict Pentecostal church in South Africa, Jessica wandered far from God and her faith. After many years in the world, she found herself one morning literally running to church, and yet her relationship with God remained lukewarm until the day she and her husband received the devastating news that their three-year-old son had been diagnosed with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Jessica shares how this event brought not only herself into deeper relationship with God, but members of her whole family, and how it began writing a story of both physical and spiritual healing into her life. We discuss these events and the extraordinary power speaking the word of the Lord aloud can have on both body and soul. Good morning, Jessica. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really excited to talk to you today. I know I say that every time, but the truth is I am always really excited and your story is no less exciting than everybody else's. So thank you for coming on and sharing. Good morning, Tanya. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to, you know, my such a powerful testimony, what God's done in my life, and I can't wait to share it to help as many people as possible. Excellent. Brilliant. Well, we're going to get straight into it. All right. Well, I, I grew up in South Africa, and I grew up in a very strict Pentecostal Christian home. So as a family, so from, yeah, from a very young age, I went to church right up until I was, I think, 14 was when my family and I stopped going to church. But I was taught all the biblical principles that, you know, that were so important. And so even though I stopped going to church at 15, I knew who God was. And I knew, I wouldn't say I would have, I had like God encounters, but all everything was taught to me from such a young age, and I saw, I even remember seeing miracles with my own eyes as, as my, well, my sister was healed, her eyes were healed. So I remember seeing miracles in the church. So, so many, you know, powerful experiences happened to me as a child. So, even though I hadn't encountered God myself at that point, I just knew in my spirit that God was real. Mm. So, so, so for people who haven't grown up in that environment, what does a strict Pentecostal Christian home look like from your perspective? Well, basically, my parents, you know, your parents always do the best that they can with what they know. And unless you come from a country like South Africa, you you wouldn't know just how dangerous it is and and how much your parents have to protect you, you know, just from the dangers of growing up in such a country, like such a dangerous country like South Africa, that they, they do their best to protect you in every way. Basically, I remember from even from five, six years old, as a family, we'd get up in the morning and we'd go around my parents' bed and we'd all pray for protection. And we did this every morning. Mm. You know, Africa is the most dangerous country in the world. It was when I was living there. So mm. we all knew the important, like my two parents were instilling us into just how important having God protection on us was. Mm. So, yeah, we would have a prayer meeting every morning, like I said, and, yeah, growing up in and just we were almost sheltered in a way, like because my parents were trying to protect us, we didn't even have an understanding of what the outside world was like for non, 
not being a Christian, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so they were doing their best to protect us from the world, you know. Mm. So, yeah, when I say very sheltered Christian home, it's just, you know, we weren't allowed to watch all the different TV shows and all these, you know, we, we at the time as kids were like, that's not fair, but we know that the supernatural is what my parents were trying to protect us from. I see, yeah. Okay, because there's yeah. a lot of a lot of different influences in that area, isn't there? In in Africa, a lot of things yeah. you're facing. Yes, yeah. no, just the African tribes in itself, and all the different um, the voodoo and all the new age, like witchcraft and all that stuff that is in you know that you're growing up around. Let alone the fear and the danger of just being physically hurt by growing up in the most dangerous country in the world. So yeah, so sure, and so. What when do you have a do you have an understanding? Do you think of what took your family away from church? I know um, we stopped going to church as a family when we moved. We moved from the town that we grew up in. My parents moved to a different area, and they got really busy with work. And yeah, when I was fifteen years old, I started a hairdressing apprenticeship, and that's when our family stopped going to church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so it was more a logistical question of being yeah. able to actually get to church. Did the family continue in a, in a, f- a faith that was as um, present as it had been? No, I wouldn't say so, no. Mm, okay. And yeah. so a f- couple of years later, your parents left South Africa to go overseas. Did yeah. you did you travel with them? I couldn't really get a sense of that from what, yeah. you, what you told me. No, they left um, to go travelling and I stayed with my brother, so they okay. left and went traveling around the world and and had the you know an awesome time but they left us in the care of our brother and so as soon as our parents left it was like Woo, party time right okay party which is not something we were never exposed to and i was working at a, at a hairdressing salon with you know like a whole new world it opened up to me you know talk about being a little fish in a huge ocean in a world that you knew nothing about because you were so protected from that yeah like you know, I didn't even have to go into it. You know what I'm saying? With Absolutely. The whole, yeah, that yeah. community just was, yeah, I just never went back from that point. Yeah, and of course, without the experience, you had no sort of um, sort of ability to, to make decisions or deal with some of the new things you were facing. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so that's when you started to get into clubbing and drugs started to become part of your lifestyle. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, in the in the nineties in Africa, raving was really um, a huge thing. So yeah, when they left in the in the nineties, um, it was like as soon as they left, I'm like, literally the day they left, I'm like party time, and I would go clubbing from a Saturday afternoon, and I'd go basically all the way Saturday night, all through Sunday morning, Sunday night, up until Monday off, almost Monday evening. So I think that's almost seventy two hours, is it? Mm. Partying nonstop. And then getting ready to start work on the Tuesday when I would, because I would have the Sunday Monday off and mm-hmm. go back to work on the Tuesday, and then, and that's how my life was for a period. Yeah. In the nineties, um, you know, ecstasy, which is a huge rave drug, and mm-hmm. MDMA and um, speed and amphetamines. In the nineties um, in Africa, ice wasn't a thing at that point; it wasn't even around. Mm-hmm. It was a combination of obvious speed, MDMA, ecstasy, you name it, and. And I just was hooked from that point. Like, it just gives you such euphoria. Like, words can't even express how amazing it felt at the time, which is why you get hooked into it. So, yeah. And then, but the problem with that is when you start taking drugs, you start messing with the serotonin levels in your brain. I had to go into anxiety medication after about five years because I started seeing side effects and not being able to sleep. Mm. 
But at this stage, we'd actually left South Africa and come to Australia. And so at that point, I went back to living with my parents. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's kind of why it slowed down for a bit. And it wasn't I moved out with my first boyfriend in Australia that that the partying got really out of hand again. Okay. Once I wasn't, you know, at home for my parents to see. Right, I see. Yeah. Yeah. And so you found yourself living in the UK. Yeah, after, um, after yeah, I think it was 2008, 2007 I went to the UK, yeah, because I just, you know, was in a vicious cycle of partying and just not feeling like my life was going anywhere and my bestie said, let's go to the UK. And so I said, woohoo, let's go. And I went with her and, yeah, so I left Australia after years and years of partying and taking drugs and went to the UK, yeah, just to have another party really. Right, yeah, in another another location. And so, you, so now you're... You're in the UK and you've had this massive party. You had a massive party basically from the age of 17 to about 29. Yeah. And um, and I really related with this part of your story because it, this was very similar to me. Uh-huh. And, and, and that you said you, you hit rock bottom uh-huh. and you found yourself looking at a church. I, I had the same experience. I was in the in the UK and I found myself obsessed with this church down the corner, on the corner of the road. That's That was the start of my journey towards Christ as well. Wow. Really fascinating. But you, you found yourself looking at this church. Tell, yeah. tell me what happened at that point. Well, just as a very important point that I forgot, I forgot before I went to the UK, when I first came to Australia, I started smoking hydroponic pot mm-hmm. with, and marijuana. And that's a very important point of the story because after smoking it for only a couple of years, I started getting paranoias while my sisters and I were all in the room and I would be smoking it and then I'd be looking at my sisters and thinking they were all talking about me. So at that point, I stopped the marijuana. And because I was on anxiety medication, I didn't realize the damage and how paranoid my mind had actually become because... Um, anxiety medication actually masks all of that. It almost makes you numb a little bit. It, it stops you from feeling things. So thank goodness I realized at that point that I was getting paranoid and I stopped at that point. But that's when I just went on to other drugs. But then I'd, every time I'd walk past this church, especially at Easter, like I was so drawn to it. I felt like I was like a magnet was almost pulling me in. And then I just went, nah, I'm not going to go in now. And then I'd walk past it fighting mm-hmm. again. And then, yeah, and then this one day when I hit rock bottom and I was absolutely broken, I remember running down the road to this church. And I remember the church hadn't even started yet. And I walked into the church, sat at the back of the church. And the minute I walked into the church, I literally felt the physical weight, like a physical, tangible weight off my shoulders, Mm. just at the back of the church. And at this point, um, yeah, it was 2008. So the last time I'd been in church was 1994. So I remember sitting at the back of the church and seeing them praying, people praying in a circle before the church started. And I remember knowing exactly what was going on, Mm. going, wow, you know, and I just felt in my spirit that I'd come home. I got baptized again, which was awesome, because at that point I knew I had to recommit to God Mm -hmm. because baptized as a child that wasn't because I wanted to it was because what my parents told me to and then um and I'd like to stay say that was the start of um a journey with God that turned my world around but that was only the start of a 10-year lukewarm journey with God 
Yeah, this is where it really uh, it really gets interesting with your journey with God from me from from a church point of view. Yeah. But I, th- I think I probably would make the point here, and and I had bits and pieces of things in my childhood as well, though I didn't have the same upbringing as you, where. All these things that we do for our children, you know, um, people get worried about indoctrinating and all this sort of thing. I think all of it is really valuable because, oh. I mean, you when you walked back into that church, you had a sense of what you were looking at, and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that you've you've forced your child into a commitment with God or or who knows how God responds to that. That's that's his prerogative, yeah. but but what it does do is it it puts the knowledge in the person's mind. Yeah. You know, and that's that's really important because we all know no matter when that knowledge gets in there, it is a personal decision. No yes. one can make you believe something. It's yeah. just not possible, especially yeah. with God. It's done through his power. Yes. Right? But but having those foundations in, in your mind already so, is incredibly yeah. important for your own important. testimony. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Because they go and when they're old, they will not depart from it. Mm, and- that's right. And even though I wasn't technically old, I was only in my mid, late twenties. You know, you know, I was. Yeah, I just knew that what I was searching for in the drugs, and and you know, because of you know issues that I'd had, or you know, unresolved, you know, ADD at the time. I didn't. I was undiagnosed for ADD, and I was constantly searching for something to help me feel normal. Mm. Because I didn't realise I actually had ADD, and I was trying to take all these drugs to just feel like a fit in almost you know? yeah yeah you're right isn't it interesting how quickly um we can take on ways of life in the world yeah. you know but it but it, it is a much more um detailed and in-depth journey to take yeah. on the ways of god i, I right. find that fascinating so so you are now in church and you you described it as a 10-year lukewarm walk with god yeah. and the point that's really interesting to me here is that you you described your relationship with God as being based on listening to Joyce Meyer sermons. Yeah. Not not to disparage Joyce Meyer at all, but my question here is how does that happen in a church environment without revealing anything about the church? What what was the environment like? Were there was there any support for you in terms of small groups, Bible reading? I mean, did anybody encourage you towards with anything practical you know people say oh you need to be in depth with god well yes okay what does that mean like what do i do you know so shortly after that i left the uk and came back to australia so when i came back to australia um i did get into a church and and but i was still one foot in the world one foot in the church you know like you know, there's so much has happened in my 20s and it's hard to remember specific details about things but Mm. You know, I just, I'm sure there was, they were offering me, yeah, come to a connect group. I don't even remember which church I was at at the time, to be honest. I remember Joyce Meyer, her preaching was so practical and so easy for me to understand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was going to church, but I was just sitting in church listening with my ADD brain, but not actually taking a lot of it in. You know, it was difficult to understand. The Bible is hard to understand, let's face it. Even mm. if you're academic, like you can spend your whole life reading it and you'll still not know everything until you get to eternity, right? Mm-hmm. And Joyce Meyer resonated with me and I was able to understand her preaching. So I would just put her preaching on in the car when I was driving around. And, you know, so maybe it was even out of embarrassment that I thought, you know, if I ask too many questions at church, I might look foolish, you know, because... Okay. 
understand, you know, properly what it all meant. But I do remember when I first went back to church on the Gold Coast and I spent, when I went into the church, I cried the entire service for like the first three or four services, that conviction of sin. Mm. I cried for days. The entire service, I must have looked like, who is this person? Like, what is she crying about? Not that it, it was like, you know, I knew there was so much sin that I had done over the so many years that it mm. was just a fiction of sin that I just born. Mm. You know, and it yeah. was like the love and the forgiveness that I knew that I had. Mm. He never left me nor forsook me, no matter what I did. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. When you start to realise that, and I mean, I'm still realising that as I look back over my life, I think, oh, you know, oh, he, he, he totally protected me there and he ripped me out of that, well, you know, picked me up out of that situation. And, oh, my goodness, you know, I could have, this could have happened and, you know, he was right there and I, you, you start to see his presence all through your life. He's always there, isn't he? Totally. And, you know, it's by the grace of God that I'm still alive mm. because of drugs that I took. You hear about people becoming um, paraplegics or just taking a drug that's laced with something and they end up dying, like... Mm. I was just having this conversation with a friend yesterday. It is literally by the grace of God that he kept me alive during those 13 years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what people don't realise, I think, when they start taking drugs, is it's not it's not it's... like eating a hamburger. No. You're making chemical changes to the function of your body and, uh, yeah. 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 And although it's fun at the time and you, you think there's nothing that can measure up to it, mm. damage that you do to the your brain is just, you know, to a someone who didn't believe in God, they're probably in the old days just put me in a home and gone, okay, you're mentally ill, lock me up and, you know, that's it, goodbye, you're, you're just mental. Mm. And so you've, you're now in a church and, and making um, your way back to God yeah, at, at your own pace and he is very gracious in that as well. And you got married? Yes, so I met my husband, Kahu. We got married. We only knew each other for... Um, Three months we were engaged, married after nine. And because I was so messed up, he used to think that I was playing like mind games with the um, with my ADD because he, he, like I would, he'd ask me a question and then I'd forget to listen to the answer and then I'd ask him again. And he just didn't get me because I was just so messed up that, um, you know, that's why I could never sustain a relationship before. But because Kai, who was Christian, you know, maybe God gave him the grace to deal with me until he... You know, mm. I, I completely understand. Yeah. yeah, I think I think many times God holds us together, doesn't He? If it's part of His plan, yeah, He will hold He will hold that as well. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, I was, you know, he was Christian. He was on his journey too. I was on my journey, but the two of us together were like. So because we were both not in the best place, we we're both in a lukewarm journey. We separated after like. After only being together, married for six months, we separated. But you know, in that, at that in that time, it was the most amazing time that Hikaru and I both needed because that was when I went and got help, and I went and saw a psychiatrist, and I got diagnosed with ADD finally, mm -hmm. and and I got the medication that I needed, and um, you know, my life started coming back on track, you know. And then in that time, he went and got the help he needed, and and then six months later, God brought us back together. You know, and then yeah. ready for each other because you know you don't know someone after three months, and you don't definitely can't sustain a healthy relationship when when one is mentally ill to the to the you know completely mentally ill, and the other one has no idea about 
mental illness at all. It's like a recipe for disaster. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think relationships are difficult because we tend to think, well, at some point we'll arrive. But yeah. you don't ever arrive in a relationship, and it's the same with God. It's it's an ongoing yeah. walk, you know, and and certainly with people, you're you're growing up and learning quite rapidly all the time. You know, you don't just get to adulthood and stop. No, even if you think you have, you know, and people people often say, "Oh, they just got to that age and stopped." Well, we don't really. We're okay. we're changing and developing all the time. Yeah, yeah. and you um, hopefully grow together. Yeah. So then when we got back together and we went for um, ADD marriage counselling, he couldn't believe it. He sat there in gobsmacked at, in amazement at, at like I was like a textbook case. I know with with a mental illness there's a spectrum of ADD and autism. There's all, like a spectrum. So there's, you know, there's a few different types and all that. But I, he, he sat there listening going, wow, this is, it sounds like you're talking about her complex. This book was made about her. Like, mm. This is exactly what she was been doing. So he he just finally got an understanding of it, and then we were able to start working together. And God was helping us in our marriage, you know, just deal with someone who's so mentally ill, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not it's not just um, like mental choices. It's it's actually a physical malfunction, isn't it? My my limited understanding of what's going on is there's there's a problem with the the brain to produce normal thought patterns and okay. re- and responses and emotions and reactions is actually a physical malfunction isn't it yeah. it's not yeah. something that you can well you can't overcome it easily you can't just decide to think differently no you mm. can't especially when you've messed around with your brain for 13 years it's like mm. family are predisposed to mental illness like it's a gen- there is genetic links in my family and I'm, um, your mental illness is rampant, you know, like it's passed on down the generation. So it's I was already predisposed to it. And then I stupidly went out and took drugs for 13 years, you know. So yeah. it was a problem that was already there and then it made it a million times worse. Yeah. yeah. And so you, you've you been married now and then your husband had his own difficulties with health problems that made you question whether or not you would both be able to have children. Yes. And so what what happened at that point? Okay, so um, yes, yeah, so we got back together by the grace of God uh, in 2013, and my husband had when we when we first got married in 2012, we got married in April 2012. By September 2012, he was diagnosed with testicular cancer, mm. and then he started chemotherapy from September 2012 to December 2012. Yeah, and then we got back together in early 2013, on oh no, middle of 2013, and because he'd had chemotherapy and I was 35 at the time, we were told you're going to struggle to have children, and so you should go and get, by the doctors, you should go and look into IVF, because we were going to freeze sperm, but, you know, we didn't. And so we went to our first appointment for the IVF doctor, and I was pregnant at the time. <laughs> and it only took like five, I think it was five months, my first one, and three months with the se- second one, or one of those. Mm. Three months with the first, five months with the second, yeah. Something like that. And I was, so I was pregnant at the time. I know how much the baby that God had given me in my stomach would be the turning point of our lives in a way that um, would just leave us forever changed. Yeah, that's right. And that's where we're, that's where we're going to now. So... Yeah. It was November 15th, 2017, and yep. you got dreadful news. 
Yeah, so we found out that our son Caius had a Duchenne's muscular dystrophy and he was only three years old at the time when we found out. Mm-hmm. Um, DMD is a progressive and degenerative neuromuscular genetic disorder, one that is mo- the most severe of all muscular dystrophies, for those who don't know. And um, it's, it's caused by a fault in the protein called dystrophin that helps the, the integrity, the muscles... Uh, maintain their integrity, the integrity of the muscle fibers. So over time, the muscle cells get damaged and replaced by scar tissue. And so, yeah, most kids with this disease end up in wheelchairs anywhere between the age of five to 12. So to say this was the most devastating news my husband and I found out was, I can't even put into words the pain and the heartache we felt like in that literally the worst day of our life. Why my child? You know, mm. that, God, how could you, how could you allow this to happen? You know, my husband and I, we love you. We, you know, we were lukewarm at the time. <laughs> we loved him. We knew he was mm. real. We weren't mm. him first by any means. We were, you know, binge drinking um, every weekend and going to church and listening to the sermon and not really, well, I can't speak for my husband, but I would go to the sermon, uh, go to church um listen to as much as I could absorb in my ADD brain and then go home and and binge drink all afternoon on alcohol and then switch my brain off at night after taking some Valium and then listen to Joyce Meyer at night. So for me, I was definitely a lukewarm Christian at that point. And so, you know, I was saying, why, God, why? How could you allow this to happen? You're supposed to be a God of love, you know? Mm-hmm. And who you've allowed my son to be born with one of the worst diseases a child could be born with. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about your your story this morning, because people love to love to accuse Christians often of seeing uh, God as as the fairy at the bottom of the garden or the genie in the magic bottle or whatever. Yep. But I think you would. I think I can safely say you would be hard pressed to find one single Christian on the earth who isn't in some way or has at some point gone through significant suffering. We most certainly can't turn to God as a magic fairy. No. We, we suffer as much or more as everyone yeah. else. Exactly. And yet here you are still. You are still here with God. Yeah. Mm. And honestly, like um, I had a decision the day we found out the next morning I got up and I knew I had a decision. I was at a crossroad in my life. I could either go down the road, the route of being bitter, angry, upset, and what you know, or I could pick up my cross and follow Jesus. And I knew at that point uh, that was the decision I was making. Mm-hmm. I was like, this might hurt more than anything. I word can even I can even hear me getting upset now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just brings back the grief yeah. of that time. Yeah. Oh. Even heart was broken. And I went through a period of like nine months of grief. I mm. spent all day, every day with God. Yeah. Nine months straight because I literally couldn't do anything else. Oh, I'm so sorry that you have to go through this with a child, your own child. That is another level I can't even imagine. Put it into words. Yeah, I'm so sorry. That's why I knew I had a choice in that moment. I sat in front of the Hill Song Channel on that first day and I didn't move all day. And that's literally how I got through the next nine months of my life. I just um, I wasn't listening to scripture. I was um, listening to worship music. And it was, it was the only way I could stop myself from literally being in the fetal position on the floor. Yeah. Anyway, so in January 2018, 
my husband found a, a, a man called John Miller who has a healing ministry. Mm -hmm. So, of course, as a parent, when you find that out, you'll do anything you can to get your son healed. So we went up to um, the Sunshine Coast and went to the healing conference. When we were sitting in the in the auditorium, he said a lot of people have reported back that they've been healed just by uh, just by being in the room. And as John Miller said that, I got this overwhelming dizzy feeling while I was sitting there, and I just thought it was the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit because I'd spent you know since November all day every day with him. So mm. I, I I felt God's presence in such a way that our words will never explain. So I just thought, wow, I'm in the room and the tangible presence of God is so strong. So that's why I'm feeling dizzy. But it was a, it lasted for about 30 seconds down the back of my spine. And I thought, wow, that was cool. And then I took my son up for prayer and, and it was late at night. And then we just came, came all the way back home to the Gold Coast. And um, I got up for work the next day to go do a wedding because I'm a makeup artist. And then I remember just taking my regular dose of um, ADHD medication which when you don't need, that works like speed, like amphetamine, and which I knew all about because I'd spent so much time taking it in my 20s. So all of a sudden I went from, I was at work and I was doing makeup and I was talking a million miles an hour and I'm like, what the heck is going on? I'm so <laughs> off my head. What? And then I went, oh, and then it dawned on me. I was like, all of a sudden I was like, maybe that dizziness that I felt was maybe God had actually healed me of ADD. And I was like, Wow. So so I just took a leap of faith, came off because with ADHD medication, it only lasts about four hours. Mm -hmm. So after the wedding, I stopped taking it, phoned my sister, I told her what happened. I can't believe it. Guess what? I've been healed of ADD. She said, OK, because she was, you know, my sister's um, on a journey back to God herself. And she's like, OK, you know, you know, if you think so, just come off it off. But don't be ashamed if you're wrong. You can always go back on it if you need to. And so I, anyway, I came off the ADHD medication that day and never went back on it again. Mm. And so yeah, so what I so I thought, wow, so God's healed me of ADD. So if He's healed me of ADD, why don't I'm just going to take a leap of faith and come off my anxiety medication, which I've been on since 2003. Mm. At this point, it's 2018. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 2018. Yeah. A long time. So yeah. I thought I'm going to leap of faith. I remember even remember where I was. I was at um, I was at a church. I took I came off the medication, and I remember even sitting in the back of the church in the mother's room thinking that everybody was talking about me. Mm. Like, wow, I was like, what is going on? I was having crippling paranoias because with the medication, it, it, you know, when you've been on it that long, it, it does take a bit of time to, you can't just stop taking anxiety medication straight away. Mm. You're supposed to actually wean yourself off it because it's a chemical. Yeah. It's a strong chemical, you know, like you can't just go from taking it for 30 or however many years it was and then just stop, right? So, I, you know, I started weaning off in it. I was like, everywhere I went, I thought people were talking about me. I'd come home and I'd be watching TV and I'd be watching the TV with my conscious mind, but my subconscious mind would be spinning with conversations like, like a like a washing machine. And right. and I, I knew that I had a fight on my hands. I knew the power of the word, of the spoken word, and I knew, that, you know, that word of God is living and powerful, sharper than a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. So what I decided in that moment was, and it was supernatural wisdom given to me without a doubt. I think would, so. Would I have known to do that, you know? Yeah. So I decided to counteract every thought I had with scripture. I didn't know a lot of scriptures at the time, like I said, because I was still lukewarm. Mm. What I did know was from, from my childhood, God has not given me a spirit of fear, 
but of peace, love, and of sound mind. Mm. So that one is, yeah, that was in 2 Corinthians. No, oh, that's, that's 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, yeah. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of peace, love, and sound mind. Or yeah, self-discipline is my translation, yeah. Yeah, and, I'm, and I just said, and then I have the mind of Christ, and I have the mind of Christ. Every time I had a paranoid thought, I would counteract it with Scripture, mm. and I kept doing this over and over. And then I would be singing worship music. So if you ha- if you had to see me from, I was at home, I had young kids, so if you anyone had to see me, you know, from the outside, they'd think, well, what is going on with her? You know, she's, she's going loopy. <laughs> no, she's going the other way. She's going sane. Yeah. Stronghold in my mind because of all the drug abuse that had to be broken. But mm. I also knew that the weapons of our warfare were not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. So that's 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, right? Mm. I spent an entire week obsessing with scripture after three days of the intense paranoia and the counteracting every on with scripture, I was with my bestie. She remembers. She remembers seeing me clapping and singing worship, and she's like, "Oh my God!" <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. After three days, they started to slow down, and by the end of the week, the thoughts had stopped. So, by a whole week of professing God's word, and and you know, sort of, again, yeah, I know now that the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than a double-edged sword, because just having the faith to stand on the word and use the word as a literally like a sword. In the, in the spiritual realm, yeah. it was. Yes, yeah. this this is the most fascinating thing that I've ever come across in somebody's story, because because knowing all of your backstory, and that's why I asked you to tell the whole story, yeah, because it's really important. One of the scriptures that you brought, and I, I'm going to say it because it, it's it's so fascinating that you went to it as well. But it's it's yeah. two Corinthians. 10, uh, 3 all the way to 5. So it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. It's such an incredible piece of scripture, especially in the context of your story. But I wanted to ask you, and and, and you almost said it, but I I want to ask you directly, are you aware or were you aware at the time that what you did is almost, apart from from the the scripture that that Christ chose, Mm -hmm. it's almost exactly what Jesus does in Matthew 4, 4, when the devil tempts him, the first thing he does is he quotes the law. He quotes the word of God, and those are his responses. Were you aware that that's what no, you did? No, yeah. not at all. I, I, I Only now that for the first time I've ever thought about it, I know the exact part of the Bible that you're talking about when he was in the desert for 40 days. Yeah. And every time the devil came to tempt him, he counted, he said it back to him in Scripture, and the devil had to flee because not only was it Jesus himself saying it, but the power of that word that God has given us. Yeah. Use, you know, like do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the constant renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. I was doing that without even realizing it. Yeah, that's right. That scripture has come up so many times in this podcast. I'm almost thinking of changing the podcast to um, Twelve Romans too, because it's um it's really it's really important. And and I think all of all of the motherhood journey that I've that I've witnessed through doing this podcast has been about the renewing of our mind. 
and your your testimony you know not to make light of it you've you've gone through something immensely difficult and horrible but but through that event you've had this this amazing transformation of your mind amazing to bring you to clo- closer to god isn't it it's oh. bring us all into relationship with him completely and it was never about the dmd it was the enemy thought he could come into our life and destroy it but god has taken something so painful and he's turned it around for good so much already there's about 20 good things that have happened because of our journey so far not only has it given me the faith to believe that my son is healed because he is already healed because at the cross jesus already healed us he healed us all you know he's mm. not just maybe healed he is healed mm. it's faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not yet seen mm. he's a, jesus already paid that price he already died at the cross all we need to do is use our part and have faith that it will happen and it will and the grace that he gave me by healing me like this has given me so much faith for my son's journey mm. that it's it's almost like how can I not believe he's going to be healed? Yeah. Look, what he's done for me. I will never be the same again. And and my people in my family look at my Kahu and I and they remember what we were like before we got married and separated. And they sit back on the journey and watched us and they've gone, how how are you, Bree? How are you getting through every day? Yeah. How are you? able to still believe in God and still trust him when you you've been given the worst the hardest they look at us in all eyes because they're like how are you doing it and it's part of the power of the Holy Spirit that I'm able to take one step and sometimes I take it second by second mm-hmm. I'll have my days being in my mid-40s and hormonal and tired yeah. I still have my moments and days where I'm like oh why does it have to be my son and then I'm like no devil keep quiet because without this, I wouldn't have been healed. Mm. My parents have started coming back to church. My siblings have started coming back to church. People are watching us, all because of my son's diagnosis. Wow. So literally, I'm writing it down so I do not forget every blessing that we've received so far. Because it's quite easy to forget mm. how many blessings you've got when your world has been torn apart. But we, we're being watched, and we've had so many prophecies that our son's going to be healed, and. And that I remember one prophecy we were given by a prayer warrior woman who's amazing. She said she sees us walking along this well-lit path, my husband and I with our son, and he's we're holding his hand, and my son Jazza is there too. And we're walking along this well-lit path, and family members are starting to join the well-lit path. That was given to us in the oh, beginning. That's beautiful. And it's like yeah. I have written all these down so that when in those moments when the devil tries to come and tell me lies mm. I can say get behind me Satan because I used to listen to your lies in my mind for so long but you have no place in my mind anymore because my mind has, has been restored yeah my mind's with Christ well I mean I, I was reading recently John Wesley was talking about attacks on us and things like that and he said Satan is wiser than men if they attempt to reason with him instead of immediately crying out to God the state will continue And I think that's where you were, wasn't it? If you had tried to fight Uh with Satan, we're not not called to that. We're called to cry out to God, which is exactly what you did, isn't it? Yeah, and I even remember at one point, um, just after that, during that week, I was sitting there and I was sitting in awe of God and I was thinking, wow, I'm so grateful. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. I 
And I remember the words so strongly in my spirit, your faith has made you whole. And I will never forget it because God saw how desperate I was and I wasn't going to give up because I was taking his biblical truths and I was using them and I was not going to stop until I received my healing. Mm. And I'm so grateful. I will never, ever, ever be the same again. I wanted to ask you a question and and I hope this isn't naive. No. But I'm not quite sure how to word it because I... It's a difficult question. I'm not entirely sure I understand the parameters of it myself. But with the ADD, that was a physical healing that you underwent. But it seems to me that with the anxiety, you also, well, also or maybe only, had to go through some kind of spiritual event. It was, wasn't it? It wasn't just a physical healing. It was a spiritual event that took place within you. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It wasn't when I said I physically felt like the tingles going down my spine. Of course, it was a physical healing, but you know, like as he, as he healed my mind. But it was so beyond that. It was, I, you know, if I just I shudder to think of how much damage I did to my brain, you know, mm-hmm. and to think that I was given so much mercy and grace because all of those choices that I made were my own choices. No one forced those drugs down my throat, mm-hmm. you know. And just so, yeah, it's, I don't even know if I'm answering the question that you... Again. I don't know. I don't know if it's a question that can even be answered by us. Yeah. It's, but it is, it is interesting to think about what's really going on. I mean, it's, there, there are two things. In my mind, there are, there are two things. There's our body that requires healing yeah. and that may or may not be fulfilled in our lifetime. And, of course, we know we all have to pass from this life into, into our eternal life. And our bodies won't be like the bodies we have now, so that has to pass away. Yeah. Um, But there's there's a there's another spiritual level that's going on right here, right now. That healing is taking place at all times, isn't it? Yeah, because even though I've been healed of the drug-induced psychosis and the ADD, I'm actually still on anxiety medication. So my journey isn't even over. Mm -hmm. Because. I had to at one point go on anxiety medication again because I just, as much as I was trying to fight it, because I wanted to be completely healed, you mm-hmm. know, and more of a testimony to say to people, I used to be on 35 tablets a week and now I'm on nothing. They'd be go, wow. Because you know how people go, oh, it's got to be something else that healed you. It couldn't have been God. I wanted it to be like, no, wow, that's got to be God. But mm-hmm. it still is God. Even yeah. though I'm still struggling with anxiety, it still is God. And he still has healed me. And my journey is still going. Like, I'm now teaching assisting RI, which is religious instruction, mm-hmm. and assisting since 2020 because of my the anxiety that I've felt of just the fear of man. And so I'm still dealing with that, but I'm making myself do it mm-hmm. because I'm not going to let the devil stop me because I used to be a makeup teacher. And in my mind, if I used to teach makeup, I'm going to teach the word of God because it is so powerful. So I've only just now that because I've been going through a period of six years not sleeping properly, so I've only gone on medication back properly in the last year. So apart with hormones and you know the stress that I'm under in my life, and I'm literally making myself conquer. I'm gonna I'm gonna overcome this. I'm gonna one day be teaching on my own, and I'm gonna not let the fear of man stop me. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna I'm gonna see this through. God's gonna help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to completely fight this anxiety as well Mm. so you're still working in your body to overcome these things what what things do you have in place to to 
sort of drive... I mean, Paul talks about, you know, beating the body into submission to the spiritual, you know, um, the spiritual work. What what sort of discipline... Do you have disciplines in place or habits in place yeah, to I've keep had, you on that journey? Yeah, I've completely um, had to change the way I eat. Like... Um, because I'm so easily stimulated by things, you know, even though I don't have the ADD, you know, um, you know, having being healed of the obsessive thought patterns and all that, you know, like I have to be, I literally have to keep being wise and not allow myself to have too much sugar or have caffeine too late at night. And, and, and I've had to, I go to the gym so I can keep physically strong and I can get the stress out of my muscles. And so I've had to change my lifestyle as well because mm. You know, and being, like I said, in the mid-40s and the hormones, you know, it, it starts to play havoc in your body. Like, it's it's such an adjustment, isn't it? You know, just dealing with hormones alone. Absolutely. I'm doing everything I can in the natural, you know, like the, going to the gym, eating healthier, cutting out of sugar, caffeine, and, um, you know, de-stressing. Just, you know, I've, got a, I've got a counsellor, amazing, beautiful Christian counsellor who's helping me through so much as well you know the stress and that I'm dealing with and so I'm doing everything in the natural still mm. you know to um, keep on top of it you can slip back into old patterns if you're not careful you know mm. sleeping and your brain hasn't rested properly for like I literally need eight nine hours to feel completely rested in the mind and you know, so I'm doing yeah, everything. I know. <laughs> yeah. I, know. I, don't, I don't remember what that feels like, but I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. I'm, I'm only got a seven and a, a nine-year-old, so I'm, you know, the last six years has been tough, you oh, know. Yeah, oh, it's hard. And you have so much else to deal with as well. It's not like you can ever relax in the same way. Oh, I have, I'm running a business. I'm you know, dealing with NDIS. I'm so grateful to have it. Man, that took me six months to work out online. Oh, yeah. You think the Bible's hard to try and DIS? <laughs> oh my gosh, I need supernatural wisdom like you do. I'm not going to get through. How is your relationship now in terms of the Word of God? Did that bring you into the Bible? Of course. Like now I know that it's literally like the analogy is like a petrol tank. If I, if I go through a couple of days without reading the Bible properly or using it as my petrol to keep me going, I can so easily slip back into fear. Mm. Fear of, yes, not everybody gets healed in this side of eternity, but if I don't stay deeply plugged into the word daily, my faith tank dwindles. Mm. So it's a, a daily choice. And God understands, you know, when I'm really busy and I have a busy day and I've been running around like a chicken while I had a head, which is often every day. Mm. Even if I spend, you know, meditating on one scripture and making the effort to keep God first, even if it is because God knows my heart, you know, he knows I'm just trying to cope and keep my head above water with everything that's going on. But I, as long as I keep plugged into the word, I'm able to keep that faith tank full, mm. you know. And, and prayer, is that a big thing for you? Because it was a big part of your childhood, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, totally. But, you know, I'm in a Bible study group at, at the school that my kids are at, and I'm in a, um, a prayer group as well. And mm-hmm. it's the only way I can keep putting one foot in front of the other, literally sometimes. Yeah. I so have to keep, and not only that, keep myself surrounded by like-minded Christians, not Christians that think you're not going to be healed, but by Christians that can, can believe in the power of the spoken word and believe in healing as much as I do. Mm-hmm. Because... 
I literally can't even be around people that say, oh, not everybody gets healed this side of eternity because that doesn't help me. Yeah. You know, that, that, that brings fear. Mm. And then if I listen to that fear too much, it gets me too down. So I literally have to surround myself with people that believe like I do. Yeah. It's almost, it's, a, it's, a, it's the daily bread, isn't it? That's that part of that prayer again. This is yeah. what I need today and I can only cope with today. Yes. And I think we don't, you know, there, there are times where we have to make choices where we feel as if it's a long-term choice. Uh, but my husband and I have just been through a similar one ourselves where we've made a decision for, for our family and we got to the point where we thought, well, we have, we have what we need for this period of time yeah. And we're going to make the choice based on that. And what happens after that, we're going to trust to God because we can't actually see any further. No. This is, this is our daily bread for this choice, you know. And um, uh, if, yeah. you, if you're looking further ahead than that or you know more than that, then it's no longer faith, is it? No way. Because literally if, we, if God showed us what was ahead in our journey, there's, there's decisions we wouldn't make and take if we mm. knew what was coming. You know, like yeah. if someone had said to me, oh, but okay, actually now I can think of it differently because of all the good things that have happened. If you knew what was going to happen with your son, would you have gotten down that path of getting married in hindsight only now because of all the good things? That, yes. But would I have been fearful to go down that track if I had known what was ahead of me? Yeah, mm, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Knowing what's ahead is not is not good. No, we're not meant to. Is that's it? why is you, you deal with today today because that's all you can in your human mind deal with you yeah. don't know what the future holds only god does that's right and only trust in him that's all you need there's no way we can hold all the strings to to manage the future even if we knew it no we're only human only god can do that it's almighty power you know like he knows things that we he knew we were born five generations before he just Oh, I think a lot of things God, that's why I'm in such an awe of God. Like you've got to have that reverent fear because he's so powerful. Mm. Created the entire world and everything in it in less than 10 words. Our human minds cannot even comprehend that. Mm. That's right. And so you've had a chance to see in your your moment of true weakness. Yeah. Have you seen the glory of God? Oh, have I seen the glory of God as an understatement, Mm. you know? The things that he showed me and the veil, how much the veil has been lifted now, Mm. I would never go back to where I was. I was an absolute mess. And we would probably have been separated if it wasn't for the Caius um, diagnosis at that time. Our relationship was so rocky at that point, you know, Mm. because we were not relying on God, just relying on our own strength. Right, yeah. That's interesting because most people would think that something like that might drive drive people apart. Yeah, you're but so for true. you it didn't. Because Fakahu and I had brought us together, and it's funny that you say that because that's exactly the words my mom said. Most people mm. at that point of that point of stress and have literally gone their separate ways. But Kahu and I know we need each other. Caius needs us. Mm. Show him the example of a, of a family that has been transformed by God, but a mother and a father that, have, you know, together the union that God created and designed. Like he he knows I need him, I know he needs me, and we might have our issues and our fights, and you know, no relationship's perfect, but we're trying to show our kids that, you know, with God anything's possible. You know. Mm. Yeah, you might not be healed yet because it is tough. Like our son's nine now. He's like, why hasn't God healed me yet? You know? Yeah. And it's like, 
oh baby <laughs> you know I don't have the I can't explain that to you on a nine-year-old level like because yeah. we haven't told him about the full diagnosis because he's not he's not mature enough to understand of it yet course, right? yeah. you have a muscle issue that's all he knows yeah you haven't said it's wheelchair because we believe if you put that seed in a, a child's mind it's gonna make him regress even more you know mm. we just keep saying you have a muscle issue god's going to heal you in his time and in his way and that's all that you need to know right mm. now yeah and we have amazing support we're an amazing school that staff is amazing they are giving us so much support like we just couldn't be in a better place mm. yeah. yeah and so you know we're getting a psychologist for him as of next week because you know he's go- he's going to school into year four and at some point he's going to get to a point of being able to research what dmd is he knows it's DMD, that's all he knows, and it's a muscle issue. But, you know, kids don't mean to be hurtful or whatever, but at some point, you know, he's going to be at school and mm. what if someone says to him, well, do you know DMD is this? And, you know, we have, you know it's just mm. it's a road that we literally need God's wisdom and supernatural wisdom with every step we take. Yes. Yeah. How, how has that been with all of the just the day-to-day decisions? I literally go to bed at night putting on the armor of God and I wake up in the morning putting on the armor of God because mm. I have no other way of knowing that I can get through each day and, and making wise choices in my own power mm. <laughs> because mm. clearly this is my past record has not been very wise. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're dealing with it. I mean, it's been something that's come up a lot with other conversations of, of thinking about the way we speak to our children. But this is next level for you, thinking about what you say in front of your son. Oh, it's, you know, I can't even put into words about how hard it is to just make those decisions about mm. when to say it, how to say it. That, that's why. Governing your tongue and, and, you know, things must get on top of you as well. I have no idea the amount of stress that I'm under. That's why... It, I was, like I said to you, I was fighting the going back on anxiety medication for almost five years, but eventually I got to a point where I was on the floor in the in the lounge having almost like a panic attack because I was so stressed. And I was, I even brought on Graves' disease because of stress, mm. you know, because I was so stressed and my body was almost shutting down from stress. Then eventually I was on the floor lying there going, I'm trying so hard to not cry because I was struggling to sleep so badly and I was crying out to God and I was like, Okay, God, I get it. I need to do something about my stress. I'm not coping. I'll go to the doctor. I'll go get some anxiety medications because I've already got the Graves disease, which has been brought on by the stress. But thank, thank goodness, it's gone. You know, that's also gone. Because when once I got it, I was like, no, I'm. Because apparently, thirty to forty percent of people it goes away, and I was like, that's it. I'm one of those people. Thirty, forty percent of people, I'm the Graves is not going to stay because I'm a makeup artist, and it came on by. Um, the shakes um, of course you know, yeah the, the, what's it called the hypothyroidism or whatever yeah. it's called yeah I started physically shaking while doing makeup and that's a that's a, like I can't work if I'm like that no, yeah. in the doctor and you know yeah we have to be able to accept those things as well don't we and wait and for his wait for his timing yeah oh I hate waiting for his timing <laughs> it's not my strong suit <laughs> I'm not a patient person to start, let's face it. I want everything now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I am starting to at least be able to admit that his timing is better. Always, oh, yeah. always. Yeah. yeah. Every 
seen that meme where that person's like lying on the floor with a ladder, their head stuck in a ladder on, on, on their own floor, and it's me trying to do things in my own strength. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to lean on my own understanding. Yes. Whatever the ladder. That's my life. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah. I think we're, all, we're all there. We're all with you, Jessica. It's like minute by minute, like I cannot do this journey without God, like literally second by second sometimes. And I know he's there because he showed me he has, he's there without a doubt in so many ways. So yeah, like I'm just, that just feeds me. That feeds my, that makes me so, wow, I want everyone, everyone, so many people to know about the power of God and how loving and kind and merciful he is and how much he loves and cares about the intimate details of our lives. Mm. He cares so much. If only we'd turn to him and realise that, you know? Yeah. Well, you certainly did in in the most deep and amazing ways. And I'm so grateful that you shared and said everything you have today. It's been wonderful to hear you speak and listen to your story. Yeah. And and I am uh, I am so sorry mm-hmm. and so happy for yeah. for what you are going through. Yeah. And uh uh, so that totally understand. Sorry and happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was never about the DMD, like I said to you earlier. It was about reaching people and helping so many people through the story. Mm. You know that Kaiser's name actually means rejoice, and uh-huh. actually chose his name. And we were we had another name in, in mind. And then my husband and I were going to Sydney, and we found a junkie magazine, which I really don't read very often because I know it's all lies. I work in the makeup industry. It's all mm garbage and we found the magazine Newsweek or whatever it was and we found the name Caius and and as as soon as we heard it we looked at each other and said that's our son's name later on we went home and researched the the meaning of the name and it means rejoice and that's prophetic we believe because when Caius is healed on this side of eternity he's going to spend his whole life rejoicing Mm. what God's done for him beautiful well I'm I'm so grateful that you came on and spoke today. Thank you so much for sharing and, and speaking to me. Thank you so much for having me, Tanya. God bless you. Thanks for listening today to the final episode in Season 4 of The Gospel According to Mum. You can find out more about the show, our guests, and subscribe and download through all our channels by visiting thegospelaccordingtomum.com. If you've been impacted by the conversations you've heard here, I encourage you to share the news with others. Subscribe to us on Facebook and Instagram to help spread the word about the show. Those who've known God in motherhood and what it is to walk with Christ have enormous scope to support those who are younger in the way. Please consider how you can share your experience of discipleship and contact us. In the meantime, be encouraged, friend. And remember, the God who taught you to love will not leave you as you walk with Him more and more at your own pace. I'm Tanya Reason, and you've been listening to The Gospel According to Mum. Till next time.